Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on the 7th of December and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises John Plush as our recording engineer, Carol Hartle and her wonderful team on copying and admin, and today our readers are Catherine. Hello. And Phil. Hello. And I would like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. Before I go through what we will be uh, recording today, I just want to add in a couple of notices. The first is to let you know that next week will be the last Talking Newspapers recording before Christmas. So there will be no recordings on the 21st of December or the 28th of December. We will re Uh, restart on the 4th of January 2024. And the other thing to just advise you of is that we are currently experiencing quite bad postal problems. So apologies if your recordings are delayed. We're doing our best, but we can only do as well as the Royal Mail does for us. So I'm not passing on blame. I'm just explaining to you as it is. So as I say, if you're not getting your recordings quite as early as you would like, apologies, but it's not our problem here. We are still getting them out as quickly as we can. So as always this week, we will uh, include first of all a list of useful telephone numbers. Now in the new year, we will be um, re-recording those and putting them at the back of the recording along with the obituaries. But for the This recording and next week's, they will be at the beginning. Then there'll be a short What's On, and that will be followed by headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a bit of sport, and finishing up with Thought for the Week, Sunrise and Sunset Times, and The Birthday File. And if we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we'll add you to the file. As I said, obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We love hearing from you, so if you have any comments or even problems, a message can be left on the answer phone. That's 01905 767 766, or just put a note in your wallet. And finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Phil will read to us. Thank you. As Pips just told us, Wilds Lane's phone number is 01905 767 766 and listeners should be aware that this isn't manned daily and you may need to be patient if you require a reply. Police non-emergency number is 101. In an emergency, for the police, dial 112 or 999. NHS Direct is 111. Crime Stoppers is 0800 treble 5 treble 1. The Worcester Hub is 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council's Here to Help is 01905 768 053 and select option 3. The Prevention Team, which is concerned with fire safety, is 0800 032 the Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0800 980 Sense Adventures, which is walking for the visually impaired, you can contact Dee Jones on 07920 144 614 
and the internet address for that is www.senseadventures.co.uk and that's all small case. The Samaritans is 116123. Worcester Live is 01905 611 Malvern Theatres 01684 892277. Worcester Wheels for Transport, that is 01905 450654, and that number is operative between 8.30 in the morning and 4.30 in the afternoon. Link Nurseries at Powick have a session for visually impaired on Friday mornings. If you'd like more information about this, the phone number you need is 01905 831 881. The National Grid. In the event of a power cut, dial 0800 917 7953. Now, there is a priority service available and you can register for free. To avail yourself of that, dial 0800 032 8302. And to contact National Grid in an emergency and from any location, dial 105. Thank you, Phil. Right, a quick run through of what's on at the moment or coming up and I'll begin because it's that time of year with pantomimes. So a family favourite pantomime company will return to the Swan Theatre with its 69th production. Kay's Panto will bring Rapunzel to life on stage at the Theatre in the Moors in Worcester in January. Directed by Gail Moran and Kath Skirm, it features talented dancers from Harlequin Stage School, accompanied by musical director Andrew Easton. Rapunzel opens on Thursday, January the 25th for 14 performances until Sunday, February the 4th. Tickets for Rapunzel cost £13.50 each and are now available from Worcester Theatre Box Office at Huntington Hall, online at Worcester Theatre sorry, www.worcestertheatres.co.uk or by phone on 01905 611 Over in Malvern, uh, the pantomime that they're putting on there is Cinderella. And that runs from Thursday the 14th of December through to what looks like the 7th of January. And there are various ticket prices and there's even a relaxed performance which is £10 a seat for those people who find regular performance settings challenging. Uh, the phone number for the box office is 01684892277. And of course that doesn't include the third pantomime that you can go and visit which is at the Swan Theatre and this is a professional um production and it runs from the 4th of December to the 7th of January and there is a special audio described performance on Saturday the 16th of December at 7pm. So for more details contact the box office at the Swan Theatre. And finally a lovely carol service at Worcester Cathedral. This is taking place on Wednesday the 20th of December at 6.30pm Everyone needs to be seated by 6.20. Entry to the event is free, but a donation would be appreciated. It's a very special night at the cathedral with the sound of hundreds of singing voices and you can be amongst them rejoicing. So that's the, run through that again, 20th of December, 6.30pm. Right, I think that concludes what's on and we'll move swiftly on to headlines with Catherine giving you the headlines for the week and then the first news story. 
Thanks, Pepper. So here are the headlines then. Last Friday, December the 1st, the headline was U-turn on police station closure. Front counter was to shut on Sundays. On Saturday, it was police called to row at firm's crunch meeting. Bosses moved to quash rumours. On Monday, the headline was Christmas Fair was a cracker. Thousands attend four-day event. Tuesday's headline was Dealers plaster city in cannabis QR code stickers. Police warn, do not scan. Wednesday, city on flood alert, warning as river bursts its banks. And today's headline, that's Thursday, December 7th, dramatic crash rescue, driver freed from car on busy route. So I'll start with the with last Friday's story then, which was uh, U-turn on police station closure. A U-turn has been made over a controversial decision to close the front counter at a city police station on Sundays. The decision to close the front counter of Worcester Police Station in Castle Street on Sundays has been reviewed and it will now be open six hours on Sundays for 12 months. Chief Superintendent Ed Williams said... West Mercy Police front counters will remain open for six hours on Sundays. This will be the case for a 12-month period whilst the situation is further reviewed. West Mercy Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion said this position has been revised following discussions. I'm pleased this is the case as this is an important issue for the community. It's right, however, that the position remains subject to further review and engagement in the year ahead. In changes which had been due to come into force on December the 1st, the front counter at Worcester was due to close to the public on Sundays before this announcement was made. Before the U-turn, Councillor Richard Udall, the Labour St John's City and County Councillor and the county's lead member for crime and disorder, said, This announcement is a sad reflection of the times. Over the past 13 years, we've seen cuts and more cuts to emergency services. It's a well-known fact criminals also work on Sundays. Therefore, the counters at police stations should also remain accessible on Sundays. The public need the assurance that they can go to a police station to seek help, advice, report a crime or to give statements. The police are working under increasing pressure. They're required to deliver more with less. The counter is now open seven days a week, 8am to 4pm on Monday to Saturday and 10am to 4pm on Sunday and that makes it open 57 hours a week. From December the 1st, the counter will be open 9am to 5pm Monday to Saturday and open six hours on Sundays. Pete Nightingale of the Police Federation said, Over a period of time we've had a reduction in the service provided by our front counter police staff due to cost restraints. This has resulted in police officers being abstracted from their operational roles to staff the front counter. Whilst we understand technological advances, we also know that a lot of the public like to have accessible front counters. Increasing police officer numbers is welcome, but having police officers fulfilling roles that have previously carried out by civilian staff is just a way of robbing Peter to pay Paul. The headline over the weekend, in the weekend at issue, that is, is police called to row at firm's crunch meeting. Bosses move to quash rumours. Police officers arrived at a Worcester depot over reports of company vehicles being stolen on the day of an urgent all-staff meeting to quash rumours circulating at the drainage firm. 
During the incident, a police car on blue lights could be seen parked inside the gates of Colas Limited in Blackpool Trading Estate East in Worcester, with staff gathered in the yard outside. Police say although the vehicles had been reported stolen, they had since been returned to the depot and no further action would be taken. Meanwhile, a black car with two security guards inside was also at one stage parked across the entrance to the depot, controlling access to the site. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said, We were called to a commercial unit on Blackpool Road in Worcester around 10.40 this morning, following the report of a theft of vehicles. The vehicles were later returned. The Worcester News understands that a meeting was called at 9am on Friday morning at the depot of the company, which has a head office based in Weston, designed to address rumours within the company. The memo, sent out to staff on Thursday, reads, The meeting will address some recent developments and we want to ensure open communication across the company. Your attendance at this meeting is crucial, as the information shared will be of the utmost importance to you and the business. The email also states, It's essential to note that the purpose of this meeting is to address recent rumours and provide accurate information. We understand that the memo may raise questions and concerns and we are committed to addressing them transparently during the question and answer session tomorrow. Staff at the depot said Colas employed just under 100 people. The firm supplies drainage engineers involved in patching and lining. A drainage engineer on site said they carried out work on behalf of Seven Trent Water, including work with CCTV, repairs and high-pressure water jetting. We have approached both Colas and Seven Trent for comment and have put some of the comments made to us by staff to Colas. Calls were made to their head office and the Worcester depot, but we could get no answer. We also sent a written message via the online contact form. We reported in 2021 how drainage and sewer company Colas moved into the newest unit at Blackpool Training Estate, creating 18 new jobs in the process. Colas had moved from a smaller warehouse on the industrial estate to its new 25,377 square feet unit, will be square foot unit, won't it, to cater for this growth and future-proof the business for the next 10 years. Simon A. Lott Cleaver, Managing Director, said at the time, this move to our new unit is to support the expansion of the company. We are a specialist firm and have been growing the business as well as our highly skilled workforce over the past three months. And our new unit will enable us to put a long-term plan in place to continue this. Location is extremely important to us and Blackpool Trading Estate has fantastic motorway links, which is essential in our sector. The company signed a 10-year lease on the site through property consultancy Fisher German alongside JLL. Colas specialises in drainage and sewer repairs as well as emergency maintenance, civil engineering and pipe replacement, with one of its biggest clients being Seven Trent. And the headline for Monday, December the 4th, Christmas Fair was a cracker. Thousands attend four-day event. Thousands of people poured into Worcester to enjoy the annual Victorian Fair, which has been hailed a success by stallholders. Thousands visited from Thursday, November the 30th to Sunday the 3rd, with High Street, New Street, Fire Street, Pump Street, the Shambles and Corn Market filled with festive shoppers. Across the four-day celebration, over 200 stallholders, rides, entertainment and street food options filled the city. One of the fair's vendors was 
Matthew Faraday, who's been selling food at the Victorian Fair for the last four years. Faraday Kitchen was selling burritos and loaded nachos, dishes that were sure to warm up customers in the cold weather. He said, it's my fourth year at the Worcester Victorian Fair and I'm happy to be back. Things have been going well so far. Also on High Street was Tom Hulse of Bill Tom's Biltong, a stall selling traditional South African-style biltong, dried and cured meat. Mr Hulse said, it's great to be here at the fair. I regularly visit Worcester at the weekend markets, as well as selling my biltong. Pump Street was also full of vendors selling festive products over the four-day celebration. One of those vendors was Becky Bailey, owner of Becky's Cake House, Becker's Cake House. She said, this is my third Victorian Christmas fair and it's been really lovely to be back. As in previous years, Corn Market was transformed into a festive fairground with traditional carousel, the big wheel and other rides returning, as well as a host of more food vendors. Performers from Dance Fest transformed the alley between the Shambles and New Street into Gin Lane, while performers from schools and choirs took place in in Cathedral Square and Bell Square. And alongside the article are some lovely photographs of all the different street uh, stalls that were, well, not all of them, obviously, but some of the ones featured in the article. So that's that. Thank you. So on Tuesday, the headline was Dealers Plaster City in Cannabis QR Code Stickers. Police warn, do not scan. Police have warned people not to scan cannabis QR code stickers which have been stuck on bins and lampposts around Worcester City Centre. Shameless and audacious drug dealers have put the stickers up in various streets at the weekend, including not far from schools. The distinctive black and gold stickers say, get your delivery, and have a picture of a cannabis plant on them. They've been spotted on bins and lampposts in roads including Farrier Street, Barbourne Road and St George's Square. The stickers include QR codes on them to be scanned, but police are warning people not to click on any of the links. The digital codes are usually used by legitimate retailers to direct customers to online stores using a smartphone's camera to scan a black and white image which takes them directly to their page. However, savvy drug dealers are now using the technology to snare new new customers with stickers placed near schools and the university buildings. Fraudsters are also using fake QR codes in various scams. Councillor Robin Norfolk, who represents St John's, said it's shocking for them to go up near schools. I've heard of QR codes being used to link to scams, but not drugs. We have regular complaints about users smoking cannabis across the city. It's concerning. If they are seen in St John's, they will be reported. The Daily Mail has reported that the exact same image of a cannabis leaf has popped up on lamppost bollards and other street furniture in south-east London. It says, clicking through takes you to a glossy website featuring cannabis products with false claims of its products being legal. The newspaper also says it invites people to follow them on the encrypted chat app Telegram, popular with criminals. 
The Worcester News has chosen to blur the QR codes in our pictures of the stickers. And I have to say, there's a picture here um, with a school in the background, and it's it's on uh, the tithing. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very convincing, this story. A West Mercia police spokesman said it advises people not to scan the QR code, even if someone is curious about what the code is. The spokesperson added, we're aware of the stickers being placed in some parts of Worcester. We're now investigating. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, we've reported this matter to the police who are investigating. Members of our street scene team are now out and about removing the stickers. The BBC recently reported QR code scammers have been targeting people using car parks, putting them thousands of pounds out of pocket. And on Wednesday, City on Flood Alert, so it must be that time of year again. Warning as river bursts its banks. The River Seven burst its banks yesterday morning, that would be Tuesday, as the impact of the heavy rain of recent days was felt. Roads were closed and a school was forced to shut as flooding began to impact Worcester and the wider county. More heavy rain came overnight into Tuesday morning, making it a misery for drivers trying to navigate through flooded roads. More rain is forecast for Worcestershire on Wednesday night, while heavy rain is forecast for Thursday. And I can tell you that forecast proved quite accurate. Firefighters carried out rescues in Huddington and Fladbury on Monday night and the early hours of Tuesday morning as cars were stuck in flood water. Throughout Tuesday, Jubilee Bridge, Fladbury, Brook Lane, Cropthorne, Eckington Bridge, Brook Lane, Copthorne again, Bransford Court Lane, Bransford and New Street Upton were all closed due to flooding. Himbleton Church of England First School announced it was closed on Wednesday morning. Worcestershire County Council said that this was due to severe flooding of the local area, making access to school via all possible routes unsafe. Pupils had to switch to remote learning for the day. The River Seven began flooding at South Quay at around 10am. Only hours earlier, a flood alert had been issued for the river, warning flooding of roads and farmland was possible. Flood barriers went up on Yelly's Blossom House, based at the old rectifying house, in case the water level reached their doors. The Environment Agency said it expected river levels to remain high until Thursday. Locations coming under that alert are Stourport, Holtfleet, Worcester, Kemsey, Sevenstoke, up to the Pond Seven, South Quay, Diglas Parade and Hilton Road Towpath. A flood re- alert on Barbourne Brook remained in place. The flood alert for the River Avon at Wire, Piddle, Strenchen and Breeden was upgraded to the higher flood warning. That means flooding is no longer just possible but expected, with people warned to take immediate action. The warning issued at 7.30am on Tuesday morning says river levels are rising at the Evesham River gauge as a result of heavy rainfall. Consequently, flooding of property, roads and farmland is expected to continue. It goes on, we expect flooding to affect properties and roads in Wirepiddle, including the caravan park. Eckington Road is impassable. Please move possessions and valuables off the ground or to safety and avoid contact with flood water. The rest of the river, including Offenham, Evesham, Twining and the Eckington Road, remains at flood alert level. Worcester Golf and Country Club said more than 30 millimetres of rain had fallen since Sunday. Our great course, they said, any course, just can't cope with the deluge. And the headline for Thursday, December the 7th. Dramatic crash rescue. Driver freed from car on busy route. 
A driver had to be freed from his vehicle by firefighters after a crash closed one of the main roads into Worcester city centre. The collision involving a blue Peugeot car and a white van in London Road resulted in traffic building up on the busy route, with many seen to be turning around to find an alternative way. There were no injuries reported with the road closed for less than an hour after the incident, near the junction with Battenhall Road and Victoria Place, which happened at around 11.30am on Wednesday, December the 6th. A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service spokesman said... Two crews from Worcester Fire Station were called at 11.43am to an RTC on London Road, Worcester, where a van was in collision with a car. A male casualty who was trapped in his car was extricated by fire service personnel and handed over to the care of the ambulance service, who attended along with police. The vehicles were made safe before the incident was marked as pending closure at 12.23pm. The car driver was checked over, but he did not require treatment, according to West Midlands Ambulance Service. An ambulance service spokesman said, There was one patient requiring assessment, the male driver of the car, but he was not injured, and so was given self-care, advice and discharged at the scene. A West Mercia police spokesman said, We received a call at around 11.30 with a report of a collision on London Road in Worcester. Officers still officers are still at the incident involving two vehicles. No injuries to report, just damage to vehicles. London Road is a busy route connecting the southeast of the city and beyond with the centre and often sees a heavy build-up of traffic at peak times of day. So that concludes the uh, news stories for the headline news stories for this week and we'll now give you some general news items, Catherine. A Worcestershire couple credit building their home together as the foundation of their long marriage as they celebrate their 65th wedding anniversary. David Wilkes, who's 86, and Anne Wilkes, who's 87, of Old Storage near Alfric, are celebrating their blue sapphire wedding anniversary on Wednesday. That's yesterday, in fact, December the 6th. Mr Wilkes, a former grenadier guard, originally of Spetchley, and Mrs Wilkes, a former health secretary at the Ronxwood Hospital, originally of Worcester, said that building their home together was an important part of their marriage. Mrs Wilkes said, I often think we've had such a happy marriage because we did build this place together. David was a cabinet fitter and carpenter by trade after his time with the Grenadier Guards, so he's always been very handy. He made our doors, furniture, windowsills and fitted windows, to name a few things. It was certainly a journey. The couple bought their property for £1,700 in 1969 and made it into the home in which they would spend their lives. Mr Wilkes said, It took eight years to build our home. When we bought it, it was just a single room downstairs with a staircase to a single bedroom. Over time, we built it into what it is now. Myself and Anne once carried 7,000 bricks up under our arms off the road. Mr and Mrs Wilkes met when they were both 17 years old while playing table tennis in Worcester. The couple were married at the Church of Holy Trinity, formerly in Shrub Hill Road in Worcester. Mr Wilkes said Anne lived in Lowersmore at the time, so it was just round the corner for us. At the time, I was training army recruits at Caterham Barracks in Surrey, and because the training had gone so well, I was given a fortnight of leave. So I said to Anne, don't you think it's time we got married? Mrs Wilkes said, 
Although the couple have their differences, they worked hard at their marriage and are happy for it. She said, we never really argue much. We're different in a lot of ways, but I think years ago when people got married, they just worked at it more. People meet on the internet nowadays and things are very fast-paced. It was very different in our day and we worked at our marriage over the years. The couple have three children, eight grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. And now a legal story, silent vigil to defend the right of our juries. Protesters have again been outside Worcester Crown Court for the latest Defend Our Juries protests. The group's protests outside the court, the city's highest, was timed with similar ones across the country on Monday, December the 4th, to take place before 10am when cases typically begin to be heard. It follows a similar protest in September. The group said the protest is about the centuries-old right of all jurors in British courtrooms to be able to acquit a defendant according to their conscience and irrespective of the directions of the judge. In the latest protest, signs were held up outside the court in Fourgate Street saying the right of juries to give their verdict according to their convictions and jurors have an absolute right to acquit a defendant according to their conscience. About 10 protesters took part in the sit-down silent protest. Members of Extinction Rebellion Worcester took part after court cases involving climate change activists resulted in jury-decided acquittals. Amongst those taking part was Satya Robin, Buddhist minister at Bright Earth Buddhist Temple Malvern, who said, It's important jurors are allowed to hear about these reasons for people breaking the law. I hope that you believe in free speech and in the right of jurors to make up their own mind about how eco-activists should be sentenced. I do, and that's why I'm here. Former Supreme Court Judge Lord Sumption has criticised juries acquitting people who were plainly guilty in political cases simply because they sympathise with them, saying it undermined the rule of law. A spokesman for the Defend Our Juries campaign said, A group of Worcestershire and Herefordshire residents joined about 500 others around the country holding up our signs. Defendants are banned from explaining the principle of jury equity to the jury, even though it is a well-established principle of law, which is set in marble at the original entrance of the Old Bailey. The courts and tribunals judiciary was approached for comment. Uproar as trees felled. A leading councillor has slammed the city council for double standards over the felling of trees in a cemetery. Three conifer trees were recently taken down at St John's Cemetery to increase the number of, number of burial spaces available by 25. Councillor Alan Amos, Worcester City and Worcestershire County Councillor for Bedwardine, has criticised the council for removing the trees, saying many residents are refused permission to do so. He's accused the council of having double standards after invariably refusing permission for residents to do the same. Councillor Amos said, The sheer hypocrisy of giving themselves permission for this vandalism whilst denying so many residents the right to prune or remove trees that are causing them concern or damage to their properties is breathtaking. There was no proper consultation with people on the west side nor with the council's own cemetery and crematorium forum for whom this place is much revered. It was done swiftly and secretly so as to prevent any objections. Councillor Amos has claimed that the atmosphere of the cemetery has been ruined by the chopping down of the three trees. 
He said, the wanton destruction of these beautiful, healthy trees has permanently ruined the atmosphere and outlook in the cemetery, a place where people often like to sit in a calm and attractive environment. There's plenty of room for more graves throughout the cemetery and a lot of space available elsewhere in the grounds, so this vandalism was completely unnecessary. It was spiteful, insensitive and underhand. Councillor Karen Lewing, chair of Worcester City Council's Environment Committee, said the burial life of the site will be extended from by two and a half years to five and a half years after the trees were removed. She said this will ensure that the west side of the city will continue to have an active burial ground while further investigations are carried out to see how to further extend the burial life of the site. The trees were non-indigenous and of low biodiversity value, and as these were council trees on council land and were not covered by any tree preservation order, no approval or permission was required to remove them. Council officers did consult with the council's tree officer, ward councillors and lead members before carrying out the work, which was part of a programme of improvements at the site, which has included resurfacing, new signage and general repair work, as well as improving the biodiversity of the site. Two food bank charities have appealed to Worcester shoppers as they face record levels of demand this festive season. Fair Share and the Trussell Trust require help to provide essential food for many in Worcester who find themselves struggling through what may be the most challenging winter in many years. The charities are specifically requesting donations of UHT and powdered milk, tinned meat and fish, sponge or rice pudding, long-life fruit juice, cooking pasta sauces, tinned vegetables, tinned and dried soup, pasta rice and noodles, cereal and porridge, tea and coffee. Ken Murphy, the Tesco Group CEO, said, Over the last 10 years, our generous customers have helped donate over 100 million meals to communities across the UK. Whether it's in your local store through the Winter Food Collection or via your club card points online, that's for Tesco, even the smallest donation can make a real difference to someone else's Christmas. As we move further into winter, both charities predict increased demand, with the Trussell Trust anticipating distributing over 1 million emergency food parcels between December and February. In the past six months, as many as 320,000 individuals nationwide have needed to access a food bank for the first time. Meanwhile, Fairshare anticipates redistributing 28,000 tonnes of food this winter, equating to over 68 million meals, an increase of 42% from the previous year. In the build-up to the food collection at Tesco, Tesco and its charity partners constructed an alternative to Trafalgar Square's Christmas tree in London, located in Trafalgar Square in Scarborough to raise awareness of the items that need donating to stores. The tree is made from the items that the charities need the most, such as tinned fruit and vegetables, long-life milk and cooking sauces, which will all be donated, donated to Fair Share's hub in the area when it's taken down. But just to remind you that many, many supermarkets across the city will collect, will, will receive food that you, can do, that you want to donate to food banks. Mm. Right, here's a nice story. Mum's Garden Vision a Reality. 
A pregnant woman and her husband set out to create a bright and beautiful oasis with support from a city councillor to help the garden truly bloom. Jana Bestruichenko and her husband Devidas Jankauskas began work transforming a public space in Colesbourne Close in Warnden more than a year ago, and their work has paid off. Now the space has been transformed into Colesbourne Community Garden, with financial support from Warnden councillor Owen Cleary to help the project take root. Around 800 flowers have been planted with neighbours lending a hand and Worcester City Council granting permission for the scheme and neighbours having given it the green light after seeing the plans. To begin with, Yana spent her own money on the project but a grant was received by Councillor Cleary and she also completed her own fundraising. I was nine months pregnant, she said. I wanted to finish the garden before I gave birth. The couple's daughter, Leah, one, can now also enjoy the garden. Warnden City Councillor Owen Cleary said, I used some of my ward funding to help local resident Yana set up the garden. The funds were specific for community projects, and when I heard of her plans to brighten the environment with a community garden, I knew I had to help. She gained the support of her neighbours, and I was able to facilitate an agreement between her and the council. With that agreed, the team got to work. Yana and her team purchased tools and plants, the community transformed a lawn with no ball games as a sign into a beautiful spot surrounded by flowers and scents with a bench to relax. By early summer, the garden was in full bloom at a riot of colour. Residents, passers-by and dog walkers regularly stopped to admire the colours and during the summer, local schoolgirls were using the site for their pre-prom party photo shoots. It's been a triumph. I am passionate about the better use of our green spaces and believe they are imperative for community spirit and mental health. If anyone in the Warnden area or the city wants to start up something similar on a patch of unused or maybe waste ground, please contact me, Councillor Cleary says, directly through the council website. And a couple of service notices here, one from the NHS and one from Seven Trent. So the NHS is getting into the Christmas spirit after launching its Jabvent calendar to encourage people to book their flu and COVID vaccinations online. Until Thursday, December the 14th, people can book appointments via the national system, NHS app and 119 phone service, obviously only if you're eligible. After this date, regional services will take over, but with fewer COVID slots, and potentially further to travel for appointments. Following that, people can continue to book their COVID vaccine through services in their area, but only until January the 31st, when the vaccinations will close and people will have to wait for a future seasonal campaign. The other notice is from Seven Trent, urging customers to insulate their water pipes to protect them against freezing temperatures this winter. Customer contact lead at Seven Trent, Jodie Bowen, said freezing temperatures can cause a lot of problems for pipes around the home. This is why we are encouraging everyone to start their wrapping now so that their pipes are protected. Tips for safeguarding water pipes include waterproof foam wrapping and knowing your home's stop tap location. Owners are responsible for internal pipes and professional plumber assistance is available if needed. A new salon owner says the cost of living crisis is not going to stop her from fulfilling her dream of opening her own business. Flori Balazi said she's thrilled to be opening Flori Beauty K in her adopted home city. 
The 54-year-old moved to the city in 2018 with her husband and sons, and the family have lived in Ronxwood ever since. Flory has always worked as a beautician, both in Romania and in Worcester, but she'd never had the chance to own her own business before. I'm looking forward to finally opening. I'm nervous too, Mrs Balazi said. When I applied to the council to give me planning permission for a salon, it took eight months. Since July, I have been getting it ready and we're just doing the finishing touches. It's a relief to be ready. Flory Beauty K will be offering various treatments, including waxing, pedicures and facial treatments. Basically, everything you could want, Mrs Balazi said. It's me with Paula, our hairdresser. It's a difficult climate and maybe not the right moment, but I love what I'm doing. I didn't want it to put me off and I wanted it to to do it for Worcester. I'm in love with Worcester. We've made a life here. The salon, which is in Ambergate, on the corner of City Walls Road, had an opening day last Saturday, December the 2nd, when people could have a look round and enjoy a glass of Prosecco and Romanian cookies. It's now open officially this week and will open each day between 10am and 6pm, Monday to Saturday. Nursery bounces back, says a headline in Saturday's newspaper. A nursery damaged during a suspected arson attack which gutted Santa's Grotto has bounced back with a festive fundraiser for motor neurone disease. The Christmas fair at Fairfield Day Nursery in Warden raised more than £2,176. Around 100 people attended the fair, the first one organised by the nursery, and donations came pouring in to support the nursery in the wake of the alleged attack, including from businesses and the wider community. Nursery director Estelle Hackett said, We had an amazing morning and a huge turnout from the community. The fire may have gutted the summer house, which doubled as the grotto, but the staff were determined that the children should not miss out this Christmas and simply moved Santa indoors as a community rallied behind the nursery. Two signed rugby shirts from Bath and Gloucester helped make the auction a success and the raffle also proved to be a winner. West Mercia Police and Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service also attended to make it a Christmas fair to remember. The arson attack left children unable to play outside for nearly a month until the area was thoroughly cleaned up, including broken glass left when a window to the children's bathroom was destroyed in the inferno. Neighbours in Gamekeeper's Drive and Ploughman's Close were evacuated from their homes on Saturday, October 28th, as firefighters tackled the fire. The attack is estimated to have caused thousands of pounds worth of damage. A GoFundMe page has been set up which has already raised £575 for new resources, toys and outbuildings for the children. The fair is set to raise money to tackle motor neurone disease after father of three Scott Morris, brother of Michelle Morris, was diagnosed in June of this year. Two boys aged 13 and 14 have been arrested on suspicion of causing arson without endangering life. The 13-year-old had also been arrested on suspicion of causing criminal damage. Another 13-year-old boy was arrested two weeks ago on suspicion of causing arson without endangering life. It has also been revealed. None of those arrested can be named for legal reasons. Four men from Worcestershire completed an epic charity challenge by rowing the distance of the River Severn on rowing machines in just 24 hours. Greg Morale, Guy Masters, Peter Rees and Will Copley rode 354 kilometres in 24 hours, 88 and a half kilometres each. 
The group was supporting two charities, My Name's Doddy Foundation and Edwards Trust. Doddy Weir was a Scottish and British Lions rugby player who sadly died last year from motor neurone disease and his foundation researches the cause and treatment of the illness. Edwards Trust provides support for bereaved families. Peter Rees explained that rugby players have a greater incidence of MND than other sportsmen. Rob Burrow, a former rugby league player, is currently suffering from MND and, more latterly, Ed Slater of Gloucestershire RFC. <clears throat> Peter has also lost friends to this cruel disease, which still has no cure. We're all reasonably fit and we trained for this, he said, but nothing prepares you for the sheer time and distance you have to cover and the total lack of sleep. Ultimately, Willpower won the day, though, and we've currently raised £9,000 and hoping to exceed £10,000. If you'd like to donate to either of the worthy causes, visit the Just Giving page at www.justgiving.com slash team slash rowhard dash or dash row home. Nice story there. Hmm. Uh, this is a rather poignant story. A dying woman will have a Christmas to remember after her loving family turned her home into a magical grotto full of beautiful memories. Debbie Lacey of Hawthorne Road, Tolodyne, didn't feel like celebrating Christmas this year after treatment, which has included chemotherapy and radiotherapy, was withdrawn. Yet, inspired by her family, dubbed Mama's Army, she continues to fight cancer and her loved ones have been there every step of the way. The 58-year-old, who does not know how long she has left, has found her fighting spirit buoyed by her loving family, who've turned her home into a Christmas grotto. Her daughters, niece and sister have even got tattoos to show their love for her in her darkest hour, getting the ink at Homestead Tattoo in St John's. Mrs Lacey's husband, Paul, has been behind his wife every step of the way during her cancer struggle, attending all her appointments and even staying with her in hospital on the floor so he could always be at her side. Her nephew, Sean Lacroix, has also been supportive, attending all her appointments. Mrs Lacey said her whole family, including her three children, had been a rock. However, to her family, it is Debbie who's the inspiration because of her fighting spirit. Her family was determined she would have the best ever Christmas, so decorated her home inside and out with lights and decorations. Her niece, Shannon Lacroix, Harley Boone, and daughters, Kerry Lacey and Helen Lacey, pulled out all the stops. Mrs Lacey said, there's nothing else they can do for me now. It's end of life. I have just got to make memories. I didn't want to put anything up. But they bought everything, all the decorations. They kept saying, it's memories, Mum. When they put them up, it was lovely. I had my cry. When I'm in bed at night, I can see all the lights flashing outside. It's lovely to have a good family around me. The cancer has now spread from her cervix to her kidneys. But thanks to support from family and friends, she's already fulfilled her dream to walk on the beach at Breen. She had a large bleed in September, losing five pints of blood, which required admission to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for five days, and since then, she's struggled to get out of the house. It took the family a few days to set up all the decorations and lights inside and outside. Her six grandchildren have also been visiting to keep her spirits up. 
JJ Lackey comes into her home and the first thing he does, he's five years old, is switch all the musical ornaments on. But it's also been the people of Tolodyne who've rallied behind the family, described by them as a great community. Her daughter, Helen Lacey, said, the aim was to make it a Christmas grotto for Mum. Mum loves Blackpool. Mum, you're an incredible woman. I'm not just saying that because you're my mum. Anyone else would have given up by now. I should call us Mama's Army. She's got her own army behind her. That's lovely. £20,000 Christmas Appeal, this story. A Christmas Appeal has been launched to raise £20,000 this festive season in aid of families of terminally ill patients in acute hospitals in Worcestershire. The Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity is hoping to use the funds to provide 20 supplementary day beds for the palliative and end-of-life care team at the Acute Hospitals NHS Trust. The day beds are adjustable reclining chairs designed to offer better comfort to family members who spend extended periods in the hospital with their dying loved ones. More than 2,300 people received support from the team last year. The charity funded five day beds in 2022, which greatly benefited those families. Despite this, the need is still great, and the charity hopes to provide one for every ward in need. Avril Adams, lead nurse specialist for palliative and end-of-life care team, said, Helping patients and loved ones to feel more comfortable in our hospitals is very important to us. Day beds make a real difference for our patients and their loved ones, allowing them to, a chance to get what rest they can much more comfortably. The five-day beds we currently have are in constant use, so having 20 more means that more people can be offered this small comfort more frequently. Worcester residents willing to donate can text DAYBED, that's all capital letters, to 70460 to donate £5. Texts will cost the donation amount plus one standard network rate message and online directions, online donations sorry, can also be made via the Worcester Acute Hospital Charities website. The charity has said it greatly appreciates all donations, understanding that these are tough times for everyone. Drink drivers will be targeted by police during a campaign in the run-up to Christmas as West Mercia reveals scores were arrested over the limit last year. Motorists in Worcestershire will be reminded of the dangers of driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs as part of a national police inform enforcement operation, Op Limit. West Mercia Police said enforcing the drink and drug drive law is a year-round commitment and takes place 24-7 to support the Safer West Mercia plan. In the last three years, 23 people have died and 154 have been seriously injured in collisions across Herefordshire, Shropshire and Worcestershire, where alcohol has been listed as a contributory factor. A further 12 people have been killed and 68 seriously injured in collisions where drugs have been involved. Across the three counties, police arrested 156 people in the run-up to last Christmas for being over the limit whilst behind the wheel. Superintendent Steph Brighton for West Mercia Police said, It's extremely frustrating that some motorists inexcusably still drive under the influence of alcohol or drugs. There's no foolproof way of calculating how much you can drink and remain under the limit, or knowing how much an individual person can drink and still drive safely. Any amount of alcohol can affect your ability to drive and there are numerous consequences of driving with alcohol in your system. PCC John Campion said, It is a sad fact 
that too many people die or are seriously injured on our roads. As set out in my Safer West Mercia plan, I remain committed to tackling the issue to make our roads safer. The University of Worcester is stepping up to bolster the number of professionals in classrooms across the country. The university has launched a number of pathways at locations across England to help people become teachers in the communities where they live. Graduates begin their journey through the traditional university-based Postgraduate Certificate in Education, always known as the PGCE route, and applications are already open for the undergraduate pathways. Now people can also explore a number of other new options launching in the coming weeks. New for 2024 are the university's regional training hubs, where students are based at a growing number of sites across country which are partnered with the university. The hubs complement the traditional offering of postgraduate courses. Suzanne Lawson is the Principal Lecturer and Head of Strategic Partnerships for Secondary and Further Education at the University of Worcester. She said, The key is breaking down the barriers which can make it harder to train as a teacher. If you're a parent in Hereford, for example, and you've got obligations with work or childcare which might make travelling to Worcester every day difficult, the training hub option might well be for you. The university has regional hubs as nearby as Worcester, Hereford and Warwickshire and as far afield as Poole and Bournemouth. The university has also partnered with the University of East Anglia to deliver first-class teacher training at scale in the east of England from next year. This partnership brings the benefit of sharing best practices to enable both universities to expand and develop their work with the next generation of teachers. Thank you, Catherine. Ah, tree festival underway. A popular Christmas tree festival starts today, and that today is the... Oh, it is today, Thursday, December the 7th. Worcester, Worcester Cathedral's Christmas tree festival will be held until Sunday, January the 7th. Located within the cathedral's cloisters, the festival features a display of Christmas trees from various local charities, schools and organisations. Leukaemia Care is taking part this time for the first time. It opted for red and white theme for its tree to represent red and white blood cells. There are several bobs on the tree, the charity's red and white knitted blood drop shaped decorations. In the UK, 27 people receive a diagnosis of leukaemia, a blood cancer, every day. This equates to almost 10,000 diagnoses every year. The charity's presence at the festival is essential in helping raise awareness for the support it provides for patients and families, which is backed by public donations. Leukaemia Care's special Christmas tree decoration ties in with its annual donation appeal, Snow Much Love. Georgina Granger, the charity's community and individual giving manager, said, It's a great honour for us to be part of the Christmas tree festival this year. We're excited to decorate our tree, highlighting how important it is to be aware of leukaemia, which affects so many people each year. As a charity based in Worcester, we provide so many services which support both patients through their diagnosis and treatment journeys, as well as their loved ones. If you can donate to our Snow Much Love Appeal this Christmas, it really will make a difference to patients' lives. Every penny raised goes towards making the services we offer available to those patients affected with blood cancer. To find out more about Leukaemia Care or to donate towards its work, visit the Leukaemia Care website. I've got another road um, article here. I seem to have picked them all up. 
This is about the M5 and motorists are being warned to prepare for delays again as a 13 million repair scheme is set to take place on the M5 in Worcestershire in the new year. National Highways will be carrying out comprehensive repair work at Junction 8 of the motorway in January. Extensive ground survey work has been taking place over recent months to help engineers understand what is causing deterioration to the embankment Hard Shoulder and Lane 1. A new retaining wall will be built alongside the slip road and part of the existing slope replaced with an improved, higher performance material to stabilise the embankment. Once this has been completed, the affected areas on Hard Shoulder and Lane 1 will be reconstructed. Work is expected to be complete by summer 2024, six months of it. Narrow lanes will be installed with a reduced speed limit of 50 miles per hour, per hour through the area. There'll also be a 40 mile per hour temporary speed limit in place on the southbound exit slip road and around the roundabout leading to the M50. To enable this change, the M5 southbound will be closed overnight between junctions 7 and 9, Monday to Friday, between January the 8th and the 19th. Before closures are in place, traffic levels will be monitored with the aim to have the road fully closed by 9pm, reopening at 6am each day. The M50 eastbound will also be closed from junction 1 to install traffic management temporary CCTV and speed enforcement cameras at the M5 Junction 8 interchange. The M5 northbound exit at Junction 8 will also be closed. During closures, a fully signed diversion route between Junctions 7 and 11 of the M5 will be in place. There will be additional overnight closures from Monday, January the 29th to Friday, February the 2nd. The southbound M5 at Junction 8 between the exit and entry slip roads will be closed to remove the road surface on the hard shoulder and lane 1 of the carriageway. Traffic will be diverted down to the roundabout at Junction 8 and back onto the M5 on the entry slip. Deep joy (laughs) for the new year. (laughs) Thanks, Pippa. Well, have you ever heard of fennec foxes? Two unique Hungarian baby foxes have arrived at their new home after a 1,500-mile trip. The pair of fennec foxes, world-renowned for having large bat-shaped ears and hailed as the smallest species of fox on Earth, have settled into their new sanctuary at All Things Wild near Honeybourne in Worcestershire. The brothers, Laszlo and Pascal, were transported from Sosto Zoo in Hungary as part of a European-wide breeding programme designed to protect their species from extinction. Far from their native North African deserts, the foxes have thick fur on their paws as protection from hot sands, and their large ears are not just for exceptional hearing, but dissipating body heat in harsh climates. Animal keeper Matthew Parker said, We're delighted to welcome Laszlo and Pascal to All Things Wild. They're an incredibly unique and memorable species of animal, and they leave a lasting impression on guests. Having the foxes at the centre allows us to educate the public about the threats that animals are facing in the wild due to climate change and habit loss. As the public prepare to enjoy the festive season, they can expect to see Laszlo and Pascal on show at All Things Wild. As Mr Parker added, fennec foxes are naturally shy, 
but the public have a very good chance of seeing them on display this Christmas season. Laszlo is proving to be quite a character, and he's been confident enough to approach our specialist zookeepers, which is reassuring should he ever need veterinary attention in the future. The foxes, who will celebrate their first birthday next month, will eventually be joined by female companions as efforts continue to support the creation of a European insurance population of the foxes. We're hoping to add to the number of fennec foxes we keep at the zoo in the coming years as part of our commitment to the European breeding programme, Mr Parker said. The fennec fox enclosure at All Things Wild is just a short stroll from the seasonal Tinseltown Christmas events space, ensuring family visitors this festive season will have a treat in store. All Things Wild will be closed on Christmas Day and Boxing Day, and there are two photographs of these really adorable-looking, very, very small but very big-eared creatures. They are. Story from Monday's newspaper now, Road Not Eligible for Lollipop Person. A busy road outside a primary school where a six-year-old boy was knocked down by a car does not meet the criteria for a lollipop person, highways bosses said. The boy, who was involved in a collision with a car in Stanley Road last Friday, that's November the 24th, had to be taken to hospital with serious injuries. However, the last update by doctors to West Mercia Police revealed the boy was expected to make a full recovery. The incident led some readers to criticise the lack of a crossing patrol outside the school. A spokesman for Worcestershire County Council said the previous school crossing patrol site on Stanley Road Junction with Wilds Lane has been continually reassessed since 2021 and has not met the national criteria for a school crossing patrol. The criteria recommended for use looks at numbers of pedestrians and vehicles in the area at the busiest times and a threshold number has to be reached in order for the criteria to be met. They continued, Our thoughts, however, are with the pupil and his family, and we're pleased to hear that doctors are expecting him to make a full recovery. A spokesperson for the police said on Monday, the young boy who was involved in the incident on Friday is still in hospital. Officers are appealing for witnesses following the crash which involved a Ford Fiesta. PC Warren said, We are keen to speak to anyone who may have seen the incident on Friday afternoon. We are especially keen to see any dash cam footage from the area at the time of the incident. If you do have any information, please contact us. Stanley Road was closed in the wake of the crash. Two ambulances were at the scene and the critical care team was there while there was a heavy police presence. Anyone with information should call PC Warren on 0797 693 7881 or email Nicholas Warren at westmercia.pnn.police.uk. Alternatively, information can be shared with the independent charity Crime Stoppers. A popular Worcestershire shop and cafe is celebrating its fifth birthday with a series of open events for parishioners and the volunteers. The shop and cafe at Kroll will mark the milestone as well as giving thanks to their parishioners and the volunteers who have made it a successful community enterprise. More than 100 local people helped to create the store, which is owned by the local community. Since it opened in October 2018, the building has been extended to increase its sales area, back-of-house storage and office facilities, and a gazebo has been erected in the, cafe, sorry, in the outside seating area of the cafe. 
The shop and cafe is well used by Kroll and the surrounding villagers, but it has also become a great stop-off place for passing cyclists, walkers and runners to buy refreshments, as well as local clubs using Kroll's playing fields and village hall facilities. Joan Goodman, joint manager, said, The success of the shop lies with its volunteers, but also it is clearly far more than just a shop. It's become an important focal point for our community. It's a great place to meet and make friends and chat, and it provides a way for volunteers of all ages to put something back into the community and gain work experience. Joint manager Lisa Andrews added, The shop's success has, at the same time, not only boosted the local rural economy, but helped the environment through fewer food miles by supporting local suppliers and farmers. I'm so pleased for them. And there's a lovely picture. I have to say, I'm on my way to Kroll. They've got cakes and homemade bread by the looks of it. And yeah, homemade cakes. It looks really good. The Trust, which runs hospital services across the county, has apologised for traffic issues outside Worcestershire Royal Hospital. This is a report in today's paper, Thursday, December the 7th, by the way. Congestion was so bad that one hospital visitor witnessed an ambulance on blue lights stuck in a long queue of traffic. Stephen Coleman, Managing Director of Worcestershire Acute Hospital's NHS Trust, said, We're aware of the difficulties with congestion on the Worcestershire Royal Hospital site and apologise to staff, patients and visitors who are affected by this, particularly at peak times. We're committed to resolving this issue at pace and are currently exploring a number of options. To limit the number of extra vehicles coming on site, we're offering flexible and remote working opportunities to members of our staff who can work in that way. We're also trying to increase the number of telephone and video consultations for patients, which saves them having to make a journey to hospital. Where the late afternoon, early evening congestion is causing the most disruption, we also have members of our parking team stationed at key pinch points around the site to help control flow of traffic more effectively. We reported yesterday, that was Wednesday, how Carla Savitsky, who was visiting the hospital at 4pm on Monday, December the 4th, described a ridiculous situation outside. It's 4.30pm, sat waiting for 30 minutes so far and only moved a few metres, she told us. There's an ambulance on blues that physically cannot get past. Patients, visitors, staff, after working a hard day, taxis, delivery drivers, ambulances, all stuck. Too many people in local area and only one hospital with one road in and out. Another reader flagged that more than eight ambulances were also spotted queuing outside the hospital. Our story received a huge reaction from people who've also witnessed long queues of traffic at the hospital. Elaine Bell said, If you're coming out around 5pm, be prepared to queue for at least an hour. Nightmare. Dawn Scott said, It's a complete joke. Two ambulances had their sirens on, but nobody could move to let them through. Kellyanne Smith said, Two hours it took me to get out of the car park. Nikki Porter said, took, took just over an hour to get out the other week. I feel for the staff who just want to go home after a long, hard day. Yeah. I've got a nice photo here too. It's looking across the Capability Brown landscape at Croom Court, across to the Malvern Hills in the distance. And in the foreground is a big painted bird. That is a statue of a big painted bird. I was talking to the lady who painted it on Tuesday. 
Visitors have been flocking to a National Trust bird sculpture trail following a recent art project. The Seven Birds of Croom, a community arts project, sees super-sized bird sculptures which were produced under the guidance of artist Mr A. Singh, and they adorned the site. Near Upton on Seven, Croom Court, a National Trust's leased attraction, is a mid-18th century mansion surrounded by parkland upon which the sculptures stand. They were decorated by groups including Worcestershire Carers, Hanley Castle School and the Monday Night Club and they're on display until January the 14th. From abstract to geometric, each bird represents a different interpretation of Croom's flora and fauna, including a flurry, uh, sorry, attracting a flurry of photography from visitors. Mr Singh said, It's been a truly enriching experience working with the participants on the Seven Birds of Croom project. Guiding each group through the Looking Closely theme, we explored a diverse range of artistic expressions from abstract to texture, zentangle to geometric. I wonder what that means. All right, sounds nice, doesn't it? (laughs) Witnessing their pride in creating something extraordinary on a fiberglass sculpture for the first time has made this journey truly fantastic. Members of the participating group shared positive reflections on the project. The Worcester, Worcester Association of Carers said, getting involved in a project like this has enabled carers to have some respite from their caring roles in a beautiful and peaceful environment, facilitating friendships and peer support. A representative from Hanley Castle High School added, the experience has helped us realise and understand how both artists and other industries can work in collaboration and support students in further artistic endeavours throughout the school. Pershaw Craft and Chat said, It's been a unique opportunity to work with a professional artist in these surroundings. By sharing this activity, we've become so absorbed we forgot any worries we might have. The public is invited to view the sculptures as part of the Christmas at Croom celebrations. An accompanying Seven Birds of Croom family activity sheet is available for £2 and includes a lucky dip prize. National Trust spokesperson Jenny McGrugren, creative producer for South Worcestershire, said Seven Birds of Croom has been a dream project to deliver in partnership with so many talented individuals. We can't wait for the finished artworks to bring delight and joy to our visitors over the festive season. Well, anyone with uh, dogs out there as pets, here's an article with some advice for winter. With temperatures dropping and snow starting to fall, a county dog rescue centre has issued some simple steps to keep your furry friend safe and warm. Dogs Trust Evesham is calling on dog owners to follow some simple guidelines during the cold snap. To start with, owners should remember that dogs feel the cold, just like humans, and must be kept warm, whether that be through growing a longer coat or buying one instead. Beyond this, it's advised to keep dogs on a lead in snowy conditions as they can be disorientated and it can be dangerous for dogs. After a walk, wiping your dog's legs, feet and stomach can prevent irritation from grit or salt that have been put down on the roads or dampness from snow. Owners should also be cautious around frozen ponds as the ice might not be thick enough to bear the weight of a dog. The charity advises against attempting a rescue if a dog does fall in but rather to encourage them to swim back and then contact emergency services. Owners are also advised to keep antifreeze out of reach, which is highly toxic, but also very appealing to dogs. In fact, that goes for all pets. Owners' safety is crucial, with appropriate clothing to ensure visibility, very important for safety as the days grow shorter. And as weather conditions worsen, leads, collars and harnesses should also be checked regularly to ensure they function safely. 
manager of Dogs Trust, Evesham, Chris Slight, said, There are lots of simple things you can do to help your pooch stay safe and warm during the cold weather, including keeping your dog on a lead as conditions worsen. Well, there you go. I think most of that was actually quite common sense, but you never know. Might have helped someone. Nice to be reminded Certainly, sometimes. Yes, yeah. I think the um, antifreeze is uh, something I was told about only recently mm. as a very toxic thing. It's official. Worcester is one of the happiest places to live in the UK. The faithful city has ranked highly in a right move study of the top 10 happiest places to live in Great Britain. In the property website's 12th annual Happy at Home Index, Worcester finished third in the West Midlands and 30th in Great Britain. The index asks residents how they feel about their area based on 13 happiness factors and it was completed this year by over 26,000 people. The study found that feeling a sense of pride, belonging and community is most likely to contribute to feeling happy to live in an area, more so than having access to things like public transport, schools and job job opportunities. In the West Midlands, Stourbridge came in at first, also ranking at 20 across Great Britain, and Leamington Spa came in at second, in 24th across Great Britain. The borough of Richmond-upon-Thames in London was crowned the happiest place to live in Great Britain, which is the first time an area from London has taken the top spot. In case you're interested, the 13 happiness measures that the index is compiled with are I feel proud about the area I live in. I feel a sense of belonging. There's a real sense of community spirit. Generally, the people are friendly and polite. I can be myself. Nature and green spaces. Learn, I earn enough to live comfortably in my area. Artistic and cultural activities. Employment opportunities and desirable jobs, sports and recreational activities. Essential local services, for example, doctors, schools. Non-essential amenities, for example, restaurants, shops. And finally, public transport connections, that is, bus, train, tram. Tim Bannister, Right Moves property expert, said, searching for new areas outside of the city that are still commutable on office days and looking for cheaper properties that are in need of renovation are just some of the actions we've seen determined movers take this year. The results of this year's study highlight that residents continue to value living near green spaces and natural beauty, features that become all the more important during the pandemic. With moving to an area that makes them happy, a key motivation for people looking for their next home, highlighting these types of features nearby could really help sellers looking to appeal to potential buyers. And now we're going to move on to the sport. I'm going to start with a, a story about um, Worcester City Football Club and their uh, quite long-running now attempts to find themselves a new and permanent home. Maybe this is the moment. Fans have been taking to social media to share their views after Worcester City revealed plans to leave Claines Lane and build a new home in Fernal Heath. The proposals released on Wednesday are part of a wider Worcestershire Sports Park project that will be a joint venture between the club and Marston Development, a property development company in Worcester. 
City have been renting facilities since leaving St George's Lane in 2013, playing away from Worcester at Kidderminster, Bromsgrove, and then returning to the city at Clanes Lane, which is owned by Worcestershire FA. And now, after two years at Clanes, the new majority shareholder in the city, Simon Lancaster, has plans to build their own permanent home. Great news, tweeted WCFC Geordie Branch. The future is looking bright. Haven't been in a position to say that too often in all the years I've supported City. Ian Pardo, a regular at City Games, voiced his optimism. Extremely positive. The whole feeling around the club has changed so much. We now go home and away feeling good about games. We also have long memories, so we'll be keeping our feet on the ground until we see the plans. Gary Mollart said, Exciting news. Can't wait to see the plans. Am I right in thinking the land is under which Avon Council too? If so, the club won't have to deal with Worcester City Council, who haven't been at all helpful to the club in the past. But amongst the excitement and positivity, there were some who were perhaps a little more cautious. It's encouraging, but such a shame that past City Council intransigence means that the club may have to be located in Witchhaven. But ultimately, progress has to be made, said Andy Bell on Twitter now known as X, I think. The irony is, Fernal Heath isn't even in the catchment area for Worcester schools, added supporter Richard. Being so peripheral brings no footfall or spin-off benefits for a beautiful but decaying city centre. Likely most will travel to and from by car. On the whole, it was controlled excitement from city supporters who generally feel that Simon Lancaster is the man to take city forward. On Facebook, Brian Willis said, Great news. But my only concerns are that I'm not too sure that building retirement homes near a f- busy football ground is going to work. But hey-ho, I'm sure the club will have it all sorted out. Well done, Worcester City FC. A public consultation will be held in January next year before the planning permission process can begin. And that's likely to take between six and nine months. And a good news story here. A young swimmer from Pershaw has been selected to represent Team GB at next year's Scottish National Swimming Championships, taking place in Aberdeen in April. David Annis from Pershaw Swimming Club has been picked as part of the GB youth squad for the events in April 2024, before he then flies off to Canada with the team to compete in what will be his first international meet. The 17-year-old has starred for many years in swimming competitions across Worcestershire and the wider Midlands region, but will now get his chance to compete on the national and international world stage as he looks to kick on in his promising swimming career. Pershaw Swimming Club chairman Ian Heeks said, We're privileged to have David as a member of Pershaw Swimming Club. He's a credit to both his club and county. We wish him the very best of luck in his exciting journey ahead, as do we. And if you're wondering what's happening about rugby in Worcester, here's a story. It has been well over a year since Worcester Warriors supporters were last able to get together and enjoy the match day experience at Six Ways. Fifteen months on, inside the clubhouse at Worcester RFC, fans got together once more in their bid to keep the flame alive. The Worcester Warriors Supporters Trust was officially formed in August and on Friday evening held its official launch event. Chairman Marcus Mulcahy updated members on the steps being made by the Trust to help the process in bringing warriors back. We need to get people together, he said. We need to have these events in order to support the club. We just want to keep the name alive and keep pushing where we can. It's been a challenging time, 
It's a good job I have time on my hands as it's a full-time job. We're starting to build momentum. We've got reasonable numbers. But when we used to have 10 to 11,000 people here to watch Warriors, there should be more people out there, and that's what we want to do, build the number. The bigger the numbers, the bigger the voice. Warriors remain in the dark for now. The current owners, Atlas Worcester Warriors, are still yet to complete the deal to buy the club and are into a second extension period to provide the remaining funds, which is just over £1 million. Chris Holland, the owner of Wasps, currently earns 97% of Atlas, the original company formed by Jim O'Toole and James Sandford. We can keep the flame going, but we're dependent on who owns the club, added Mulcahy. We want someone to come in and buy the club as a whole with the aim of getting rugby back. We can help them, whoever it is, and we're confident we can help the process to get Warriors back. One person who felt the loss of Warriors hardest is the former Official Supporters Club chairman, Bob Lowe, who's now one of the board members of the Trust. My whole weekly routine has been upset. I've got nothing to look forward to at the weekend. My grandson's got nothing to to look forward to at the weekend. There are groups of people I haven't seen for months. So trying to fill that void has been a challenge, he said. But the morning period is over. We have to get our chins up and look forward. Hopefully we can get some momentum. But there is a lot of uncertainty. We want more people to join us and we're planning some trips to other clubs, filling that space again and finding the love for the game. Thank you, Catherine. So that concludes the sport and indeed all the news stories for the week. We just have the birthday file, which I will do now. And I'd like to wish the following people a very happy birthday. On the 13th, uh, it's Cynthia. Now, Cynthia, I'm sorry if I get your surname wrong. It's hard to read this. I think it says Cynthia Vabe. But Cynthia, on the 13th, we wish you a very happy birthday. Maisie Mountford on the 14th, Deborah Fryer on the 14th as well, and Charles Hooper on the 15th of December. Happy birthday to you all. And the sunrise and sunset times for this week. Well, today on the 7th of December, the sun rose at 08.03 this morning and it is setting at 15.57 this afternoon, creeping up to the shortest day. Alleluia feels very dark out there when it's wet and horrible as well doesn't it um and the last thing on our agenda is the thought for the week so i've asked phil to read that for us this week yes it's a pleasure the thought for the week this week comes from luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 33 god sent the angel gabriel to nazareth a town in galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a a descendant of david The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Thank you, Phil. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank today's readers, Catherine, 
and Phil and John Plush on the other side of the glass, our recording engineer, and of course Carol Hartle and her irreplaceable admin team, admin and copying team, who are doing a very, very difficult job at the moment with the problems um, of the postal service. So it's a goodbye and a happy Christmas because we won't be back here until the new year. So it's goodbye from me, Pippa, and goodbye. Goodbye and happy Christmas. Goodbye. And here are the obituaries. Roger Payne passed away peacefully in hospital on the 16th of November, aged 74 years. The funeral has already taken place at Worcester Crematorium. Flowers or donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation or Diabetes UK may be sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Omersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Patricia Diane Bowcott, known as Di, formerly of Backbury Road, Tupsley, Hereford, passed away on the 20th of November, aged 80, in St Richard's Hospice. Di's funeral is on Tuesday the 12th of December at 1pm at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, with donations to St Richard's Hospice. Inquiries to Hoskins Funerals Direct on 01905 27862. Stuart Alfred Mayfield passed away at Hereford County Hospital on November the 21st, aged 73 years. The funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium on Monday, December the 11th at 12 noon. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Acorns Children's Hospice and the Royal Agricultural Benevolent Institution. Inquiries to Emma Booston Funeral Services, 3 New Road, Bromyard, HR 74AH, and the phone number there is 01885 489900. Patrick Malloy, known as Paddy, of Worcester, passed away peacefully in hospital on the 24th of November, aged 83 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Wednesday the 13th of December at 12.15, followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the RNLI may be left on the collection plate at the Crematorium Chapel or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Omblesley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Hazel Sharp. Hazel passed peacefully away on November the 25th. She will be sadly missed by daughters, Lol and Nikki, also family and friends. A celebration of her life will take place at St Clement's Church, St John's, at 11am on January the 3rd, 2024, followed by burial at St John's Cemetery. Flowers may be sent to A.V. Bands, St John's, Worcester, WR24LE. Anyone that would like to make a donation to Hazel's chosen charity may do so at the church. Michael Philip Carter passed away on November the 15th and the funeral has already taken place. Arthur Fido passed away on the 16th of November. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on the 20th of December at 11.30am. 
Family and friends thereafter are invited to the Bull Inn in Fernal Heath for a celebration of his life. Family flowers only, please. Donations to British Heart Foundation and Dementia UK. Gordon Charles Fletcher passed away on the 17th of November. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 12th of December at 1.45. Smart casual, black not necessary. Family flowers only, please, with donations to RAFA and the British Heart Foundation, and these can be left at the crematorium chapel on the day. For information, please contact Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St John's, Worcester, WR25BT, and the phone number there is 01905-748811. Peter William Rickson passed away on the 21st of November. The funeral service took place on Friday the 8th of December at 10am. Donations, if desired for the RNNI, may be sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Olive Young passed away at Fernal House, Worcester, on the 18th of November 2023. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 13th of December at 1045 Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the RSPB Worcester and Malvern Local Group may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3, 7EU. Graham Henry Churchill passed away at the Boynes Care Home on the 16th of November, aged 77. His funeral will take place at St Gabriel's Church, Hanley Swan, on Tuesday the 19th of December at 2pm. All inquiries to Holland Funeral Directors 01684 575 343. Barry Philip Groves passed away peacefully in hospital on the 12th of November following a short illness at the age of 76. Funeral to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 15th of December at 12.15pm. Floral tributes from family members only. Donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice Worcester may be placed upon the collection plate available at the service. William John Douglas Malsbury. It's with deepest sorrow that the family of Douglas Malsbury would like to share that he passed away on the 25th of November, aged 77. A funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 18th of December at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for St Mark's Church may be left in the collection box at the service. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors 01905 22892. Patrick Gray sadly died peacefully in his sleep on the 9th of November, aged 74. A celebration of his life will take place at St Clement's Church, St John's, on the 11th of December at 12pm, followed by refreshments at the Graham Hick Pavilion. Care of Jackson Fumer... Sorry, Care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, WR1 1JA. Matthew Nicholas George Waddington on the 13th of November, peacefully in hospital. Cremation on 14th of December, followed by memorial service at Droitwich Rugby Club on the 5th of January 2024. No flowers, but donations if desired to Gloucestershire Young Carers and Acorns Children's Hospice.